Welcome to the Next Level Woman podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Hart, the results manifestation coach for women. I am on a mission to help them just like you to break through your limiting beliefs, your old programming and paradigms to truly manifest a life that you want, not what everyone else in your world and in society tells you that you should have, but what you want. You are in for such a treat because what we're going to be doing in this show is to help you unlock the secrets to manifesting that life. Where those secrets exist, they exist in your mind. And our goal through these episodes is to really help you unlock the secrets to take your life to the next level to manifest a life that you love. So whether you want more money, more freedom, to have more impact, better relationships, you want better health, happiness, whatever your goal is, we are here to support you in achieving it. Tune in to this podcast every single week like it's your job, because I promise you, it's going to create massive change in your life. So let's do this. Welcome back to this episode of Next Level Woman. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Hart, and I am really excited about our guest today, Chrissy Lowe. I've known Chrissy for a few years, and we met at a small in-person retreat back when you could do that sort of thing easily in California. And um, wow, so much has changed for Chrissy over the years. Let me just, I want to read her bio. It's very short. There's so much more to Chrissy, but Chrissy is a UX designer and marketer living in Bordeaux, France. Since she was young, she knew that she wanted to travel the world and live in other countries. After spending the last decade in San Francisco, she moved to France, where she currently resides with her husband and Cocker Spaniel pup. Welcome, Chrissy. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> well, you know, your story is very interesting, and I'd love to hear, you know, just give us. Give us the scoop. How did you end up where you are now? Yeah, so let's take this back to a decade ago. So I was living in San Francisco. I was working in marketing and I really had this vision of traveling the world and exploring new places. And this was always in the back of my mind. And at the same time, I was dabbling in different types of marketing, some freelance, working for some startups. I worked for a food truck startup. I worked at some big, big name companies in San Francisco. And that was great. And that was great experience. But I also always knew that I wanted to gain some life experience traveling. And so a couple of years ago, my husband and I got married. We actually had a destination wedding in Costa Rica, again, before the pandemic, when you could travel with your friends and family to destination weddings. And it was on the plane ride back that I turned to him and said, all right, what's next? Because I was thinking of, I mean, marriage is not a project, but it was like this, this really big event that we planned. And I was thinking, okay, so now that I've got this off my plate, really what's next? And it was at a time in my life where I had been in a, a work position for a couple of years. It was a good time for me to make a transition. It was a good time for my husband to make a transition. And so I said like, let's go to Paris. And the slight disclaimer is that my husband is French. So this was an option in terms of visas and like logistics, like we could go. 
so we looked for a job for him and moved over. And I'll say that I did not grow up speaking other languages in my family. Uh, I took some Spanish back in the day, as you do, could say a few words, but French was really a whole new territory for me. And I had begun to take some classes in San Francisco just after one, one night a week. I was very intimidated by the language, the pronunciation. The French take their language very seriously. Yes, they do. <laughs> there's actually, they do. And there's an academy, uh, an organization in France dedicated to preserving the language. And every year it's an honor. The, the members of the society, it's an honor to be a part of. They vote and how the language continues to evolve. So it was a bit intimidating to say the least. So I, I landed in Paris and I thought I spoke some some French and it's it's that that whole idea when you you know you think you have something nailed and then you actually put yourself in the situation and quickly realize oh no this is this is not what I thought it was which can be a bit overwhelming so I landed do? on my feet well that's that's the thing so I, I realized quickly okay I'm scared to even go to the grocery store and like talk to somebody if I if I can't find you know a certain product so I enrolled in some classes and it was it was interesting because I did I found myself in a situation where uh, I'm in my mid 30s and there's everyone in the class is 18, right? It's uh, it was a bit humbling at the at the same time to be you know back in school, at, at, you know starting from the beginning, but at the same time like little by little I did see myself progress and I really just had to get over myself of like my ego how I felt about it and then what I thought of how I look sounding mm -hmm. dumb, like not being able to clearly communicate all of that. So that was definitely a, an intro into life in a different place, just trying to get off the ground and try to speak the language and get over myself and what I thought about myself. So the first year I was in Paris, almost, uh, it, it was definitely an adventure. There was a lot of, a lot to explore and discover. And then that pandemic and that lockdown hit <laughs> and I went from this very vibrant Parisian life to being locked down with my husband in a small apartment. And to anybody who's been to Paris, you know, you think of the city with the bars and the restaurants and the museums and the culture, and you strip all of that away and you're quarantined in an apartment where you really can't leave. And it quickly loses its charm. It gets really real, really fast. So it was during that time, you know, I think in the beginning, we were all coping how, how, how best we could. I mean, I cut my own bangs in the first two weeks. Like that's, <laughs> that was the start of the confinement. I don't necessarily recommend it. <laughs> so, but during that time I said, okay, look, I'm, I'm isolated. Like we really are not allowed to leave the house. I'm going to focus on improving my French because I couldn't go to these online, these in-person classes anymore. So I started taking lessons online, which I loved actually. And then I also thought about, okay, I was, I was leading tours in Paris with a group called Women of Paris. And if you have a chance at any point to go to Paris, I still highly recommend you take a tour, the Women's History of Paris. So there was no more tours. There was no more tour groups that wasn't happening. And I had been doing some marketing freelance projects. I had doing some network marketing and all of that just kind of fell off my plate. And I was at the spot where I had to decide, okay, really what's next? And Lisa, as you know, like you have an idea and you're not really sure, is this going to be something I'm going to do now? Is this a season? Is this my forever path? Because it can always change. But right. I was trying to focus on, okay, so what's next? What's the next chapter? 
I just think it's, it's really, it's difficult to say, okay, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? It's way too much pressure, but like, what do I want to do in this next season? Yeah. I think so, of the chapters too. <laughs> I really do. Yeah, you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the chapter takes the pressure off. It, it does. You don't have to have it figured out, you know, for the rest of the book. So I took the, that, that, the lockdown to think about my pivot. What did I want to do next? And I actually went back and and uh, took some classes, took some online courses, invested in myself, and figured that, well, there's, we, we, we're just not promised anything. We don't know what's going to happen. None of us could have predicted being locked down for the amount of time we were. So now is the time to like make that next step. Okay, so what's next? So I took that time to do actually a UX UI bootcamp. And what that is, is user experience, user interface design. It's designing applications, setting user behavior, learning how to best solve user needs for applications, for example, which was cool because honestly, had I not been locked down, I doubt that I would have taken the time to really examine what might what what might be the next step for me. So when France did lift the like strict rules a few months ago, it was it was really refreshing to say, okay, I had some time during this this lockdown to think about what I want to do next, add some time to work on my language skills. And that's not to say that I was the person who was working out every day or had great habits. You know, I saw so many of those, I guess there's supposed to be inspiration, but like that pressure to like get it right and do it right during the pandemic. And I mean, there was a couple of things I did right. And there were so many things that, you know, were just coping strategies. Right. But now I'm in a place where I'm communicating better in the language, starting to be able to make relationships and pivoting into a new role, which, which is exciting. So that's where, that's where I'm at today. And then you're not in Paris anymore, right? Right. Okay. So after, I don't know, after a year environment, uh, France was still locked down, but you know, I just, the city life, I needed a break. I needed greenery. I needed nature. It was, calling to me I don't know if you can relate to this you really need to get outside and just be in nature yes very healing so healing so it kicked off in February of this past year we rented an Airbnb by the beach for a month and it was just the off the coast of Normandy it was beautiful it was a 10 minute bike ride to the beach and the beach the Normandy I guess are most associated when you think of like World War II but there were still bunkers German bunkers on the beaches, people horseback riding. It was so peaceful and so lovely. And so when we got back to Paris in March, I just thought, what are we doing? (laughs) Why not? We're working remotely right now. Why not take the opportunity to go and travel and explore and and rent some places? So gave up the keys to the apartment and bought a car packed that car and I, I think it's funny because when we moved from San Francisco I had all my belongings come over and you know now that we were paring stuff down I'm like why do I have my American microwave I don't need this like why do I have my wedding dress like in the back of this car that we're driving around things I definitely didn't need so we started out on this like adventure around France uh, and rented an Airbnb down near the Atlantic Ocean outside of Bordeaux so in the southwest of France we were here for two months by the ocean. It was so nice just to get outside into nature and think. And as much as I missed sitting at the bars and cafes in Paris and all of the people watching all the culture, my, my spirit needed to be outside. 
and to really spend time in nature. And so we had planned to rent an Airbnb for a couple more months and then decide where we wanted to move because the option was still open to come back to Paris. But at the same time, I think that there was a pull to try something else and to have more room to explore, be closer to nature. Just post pandemic, uh, my priorities shifted a bit. And I think a lot of you, that, that's the same for a lot of people. Like what you thought you wanted before, you had a I agree. Yeah. There's this great resignation that people are talking about too. A lot of people have figured out other ways to make a living without going to back to their jobs, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Without the need to, and there's, there's a, a, a French expression that's like Metro boulot dodo, which translates like taking the Metro to work, working, and then going to bed. And those are like the three things you do. You're just constantly on this wheel. And I think that post, I mean, post-pandemic, but the period we're in now, a lot of folks are saying, like, I don't want to return to that. I can't, that's not sustainable. That's not really, that's not working. And so that's what, that's what we agreed to. So we ended up moving to Bordeaux, which is still close enough to Paris, but a smaller city with a bit more room to breathe, um, close to beautiful wine country, vineyards, an hour from the beach. And the, the, and the lifestyle we're in now, having the opportunity to, to work remotely, uh, I just adopted um, a baby cocker spaniel, which would not have fit into the lifestyle in Paris or in San Francisco, but now there's a bit more room for walks outside and, and puppy oh, cuddles. Wonderful, yes, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I have some grandpets myself, so I end up babysitting or dog sitting them. I love them. Oh, and then you get your, your puppy snuggles. Yes, exactly. Now, I know you're, well, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that you're a spiritual entrepreneur. You have that spirit, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit and then you're spiritual. But how is that in France? You know, my impression is that there are fewer people with an entrepreneurial spirit for some reason in um, France, or at least like I think of it, and just wondering how you made that work, if, if that was even an issue. Maybe it wasn't even an issue for you. So I definitely, in comparison between being in the U.S. and being in France, definitely see a lot more entrepreneurial spirit in the U.S., and there's a couple of reasons for that. In the U.S., it's okay to openly fail forward, as we like to say. It's okay mm-hmm. to put yourself out there and take risks. And we're very application-based in the U.S., meaning like we don't have to have all the theory behind things to take the first step. And in the French culture, there's theory first, then application. So so I'll I'll, I'll explain this more concretely. I went to a sound healing in Paris, and it was a really beautiful room with a bunch of singing bowls at the front of the room. There were a bunch of gongs in the back. It was absolutely stunning. And before the class started, they went through and introduced every single singing bowl, where it came from, its frequency, just went into a lot of detail before the class even started. I mean, they talked for about 15 minutes before they got to the session, which was beautiful. In comparison, I, based on my experience in the U.S., like if I went to Sound Healing in San Francisco, they would open the, the practice with a few words, but it would really be immediately jumping into the session, not necessarily going through all the details first. And so France is going to tell you first everything you need to know before you get started. 
And so I think that, that that's a bit of a difference too between starting something in the US versus starting something in France. That being said, there it's easy enough to become what they call an auto entrepreneur and to have your own business here. So it is possible. And there are a lot of people that work as freelance and and even to get my tour guide license, I, I set myself up as an auto entrepreneur and it was fairly simple. But in terms of like having the business, I definitely see that more in the US. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about expats in general? I know, I mean, I lived in France for a while and I know a lot of people just swoon at the idea of being able to live in France or a lot of different places. Somehow France ends up at the top of a lot of people's list. Is it possible, do you think, to you know, if you can navigate the administration and get the visas and this sort of thing, which is harder for France than a lot of places, but it's doable if you set your mind to it in most cases. And what do you think about this, this woman? Let's think about this woman who wants to go and do that. She has these skills. Would you say, sure, you could set yourself up as an auto entrepreneur and just do it. Is there a problem? Yeah. So there is a, a big expat community in France, definitely in Paris, but even in Bordeaux and other places. I meet people all the time who come from all over. And there's a few ways that you can do it. If you don't have like a family visa or you're not connected to someone who's French, I meet a lot of people who come over for work reasons, whether they've found an opportunity through an international company that's placed them here, or they've come over for maybe on a student visa and taken some classes and then that's turned into something or they've come over on a professional visa and have, have been pursuing a work idea. So yes, the administration is tricky. It is. Uh, the, the French really love their paperwork. That being said, it's absolutely possible. I think the biggest thing that I wish I had known before I got over here was to really reset my ex- expectations of timelines. So if I expect something to take a month in the U.S., realistically, it's going to take three months here. Or if I expect something to be sent via email, like very simple, a form sent or something like that, it's going to come by paper. You're going to get it in the mail and you're going to need to go to the post office. So those are just kind of the differences that I think that would have helped me and my mindset when moving over. I knew it wouldn't be the same, but just the, the timelines, because especially if you're coming from a big city in the U.S. and you're expecting this kind of hustle mentality of like, okay, we get things done. It's humbling to come to a different place and realize that that is not how everybody works in other parts of the world. <laughs> you're not hustling. You're not hustling the French administration to do anything. They, they set their own timeline. So that would be something that I would definitely take into account. But, you know, I meet people all the time who've come over who've come here or even other places around Europe and they've made it work and it may have been easy. It may have not have been easy, but there's always a way. I agree with that. Yeah. If you make a decision, you really want something. Now you had mentioned when we were talking before about overcoming self-doubt and you've always seemed so confident to me. I'll just exude confidence. And so tell me about that. When did you have the self-doubt? Did you have self-doubt? If you did, how'd you overcome it? Okay, so much self doubt. <laughs> so much self doubt. Um, I think that there's like the interior versus exterior, like what you present. Like I may present very confident, but on the inside, 
even today, I, I received a voicemail, I need to call somebody back in French. And I'm just like, oh, the phone is so scary. <laughs> um, I do a lot of inner work, too, on the self-doubt piece, because, I mean, some of the self-doubt, just to be completely transparent, like, what am I doing? I've had these moments of like, what am I doing here? Like, I have, I don't have that many friends here, because it takes a while to build a community and add you know, a global pandemic on top of that. There's doubt there. There's the career pivot of, okay, is this really what I should be doing? What should I be doing? What does my higher self believe I should be doing? You know, there is the questioning there. Uh, there's the self-doubt. I mean, I'm just going back to language thing because it's always there for me. Like, do I sound like an idiot? And a lot of times, yes, I just, I do. You have to when you're talking in another language. But the thing that I, I work on for me is, if I'm having self-doubt and I'm really doubting myself, I just give myself grace that it's okay and that I'm going to get through it. I'm going to sleep on it and see how I feel tomorrow because in the moment, there we have all the self-care tools, right? We can go meditate. We can go on a walk. We can talk to a friend. We can talk to my husband. I can pat my puppy. Sometimes that works to get out of it. Sometimes it doesn't. And it just, there needs to be some sort of reset. And for me, that's honestly sleeping on it, if I'm not feeling great, sleeping on it, waking up, seeing how I feel the next day, instead of trying to immediately solve it, like, how do I get out of the self-doubt? Well, we're always going to have it in some scenarios. And sometimes it's triggered by things we couldn't even expect. So I use the tools when I can, but also give myself grace. Excellent. Do you have any sort of morning routine or anything that you go through to help maintain yourself at a higher level? guard yourself against what's coming in. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. You know, my morning routines also go through different chapters. They cycle through. These days, I try to knock out a 10-minute yoga just for myself sure. in the mornings to get just is that one me time. And I also, I, I went through this course last year that included like a seven series practice of things, a mirror work. So it was mirror work that started with a brag, just bragging about myself, telling myself something that really worked for me. What am I proud of? The swamp, which is, okay, what is sitting on my shoulders that I really need to release? A forgiveness, either myself or somebody else. Mm -hmm. An appreciation for something, a desire for something. So it really gets me thinking about what my desire is for that day. A body love which I always need. Okay, where can I send love to some part of my body or be grateful or thankful for something, even if it's, okay, I had, I slept well last night. And then the last number seven is my affirmation or my mantra for the day. And I can't say that I do that every day, first thing in the morning, like without fail, but that's some, always something that I'm trying to remember to do because it's, by going through that practice, I'm hyping myself up and I'm also releasing whatever just needs to be said and released. That's keeping me down. Love that. Yeah. You probably feel better on the days you do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. It clears the filter. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. So do you have one tip you could give our listeners to improve their lives? Putting you on the spot, but it could be anything, <laughs> you know, anything. One of like your pet your pet piece of advice to a girlfriend. One thing to improve your life. Could be a perspective. You know, yeah. Something to think about. Yeah. I would say what has served me is if you're thinking about doing something, go for it. And 
I would say it's always worth taking the risk because if you take the risk, you'll know what's on the other side. And if it's not what you wanted it to be, you can come back to where you were. But if you don't take the risk, you're not allowing yourself the opportunity for things to manifest and for amazing opportunities to come into your life. So I guess if I'm sitting around in a group with my girlfriends and they're saying, oh, I'm considering this or this or that, I'm saying, just go for it. Of course, it's scary. You don't know what's going to happen, but you owe it to yourself to go for it and try it. I agree with that. Well, um, like I said, I had to look up what UX actually is, but now it makes <laughs> it makes perfect sense. But um, so if the listeners want to get in touch with you, maybe to talk to you about contracting your services or just to get to know you, what is the best way they can find you? Yeah, so the best way to get in touch with me is through my website, chrissylow.com. And I work with all types of businesses. I love working with female entrepreneurs on helping them create a application, a user experience for their users that will help them solve their main problems, identify where they can improve their products, et cetera. So yeah, chrissylow.com would be the best place. Awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes. And anything else? It's been such a pleasure. Oh my gosh. I love talking. So what are you coming over to France, Lisa? Um, you know, I have not been on an airplane since the pandemic began. For one thing, I've been doctoring so much more and um, because of all the people with COVID, but, uh, and now it's been so long, it's like, ah, but my son's flying back um, from Europe right now. My kids all fly, but um, I have my sights set on Portugal, I think. But I, I do do Duolingo just to kind of keep me connected every morning. And I have French and Portuguese going. And it's amazing. My brain just knows which it is. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, Duolingo is great for like that little tidbit refresher. Yeah, every day. It's, it's not high level, but it's, it's fun. It's fun. It yeah. keeps you kind of engaged. So, yeah, I love France. All right, Chrissy. Well, thank you so much. And to our listeners, until next time. Hey, before you go, I hope that you loved this episode. I would love it if you could do me two quick favors. First, make sure to subscribe to Next Level Woman. That way, you will get notified when the new episodes are coming out. So definitely subscribe to follow us. The other thing that I would love for you to do is to join us in my Next Level Manifestation Facebook group. This is an awesome place off the podcast platform where you can ask questions. I do free trainings and share very helpful resources there too. You're going to love it. And it's a great place to also find other women who are going after big dreams and getting great results. Links are in the show notes or go to lisahart.com, L-I-E-S-A-H-A-R-T-E.com. <laughs>